0: Hello fellow High Flyers, this is Philip Hatting and welcome to the Career Letter Podcast. The podcast that inspires ambitious people on their path to success. Each episode I interview movers and shakers from various fields and it is my goal to explore their habits and strategies for success. My guest today is Becky Muinde. Becky is the Deputy General Counsel at Helios Towers. Helios Towers is a telecom tower infrastructure company that owns, builds, and operates telecom towers in several African countries. Becky is a lawyer with expertise in a broad range of legal issues, such as mergers and acquisitions, regulatory interactions, litigation, and capital raising. She specialized in the telecoms and regulated industries sectors with deep experience in African markets. She studied at Oxford and started her career at Linklaters, which is one of the biggest global law firms. In 2017, after seven happy years at the company, she then decided to take a break from law and became an adventurer. For a year, she traveled the world, got a floristry diploma, did political speech writing and got more involved in various charities and community initiatives. Amongst many other things, we discussed her approach for taking a year off and to transition back into work life. So if you're dreaming... Of doing something similar, keep listening. Without further ado, here's today's guest, Becky Muinde. So, Becky, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: It's been a while, actually, since we met the last time. I think uh, it was late. It was late 2019, uh, right before the world changed because of COVID. <laughs> one of the last travels yeah. uh, it was in Ethiopia actually at a conference yeah and um, hence it's a pleasure for me to have you today on the podcast and uh, I'm looking forward to the chat and I have uh, several interesting questions prepared and I'd say let's just right, jump right into it and uh, start with the first question sounds good which is um, which is a significant decision in your career with uh i would like to start um you after eight years at linklaters uh you decided to take a one year break yeah in 2018 and on your linkedin it says you became an adventurer so it says you traveled the world you you've done a floristry floristry diploma you did some political speech writing you uh got involved in charities and community initiatives and i can speak for me and pro- probably also for the listeners this sounds awesome so for the start i'm wondering could you describe the conversation when you first mentioned to your friends and your family that you wanted to pause this lucrative career <laughs> in law and take a year off
1: sure i mean so that that conversation was i think quite a natural one because I'd really been enjoying my my job. Um, but there was a part of me that wasn't sure quite whether I I was looking at the future career options there and was thinking, do I I'm looking down the barrel of a, a process which is, is very long uh towards the partnership in a law firm whether it was to be the firm I was at there or anywhere else and the way I think about things is always you want to do something in a wholehearted way, you want to do something and really commit and I had been for probably a year or so in a place where I wasn't sure whether I wanted to commit to that and so the I would start by saying the decision to take a year off kind of evolved from do I want to do this job? Okay, if I don't, do I want to do another job? I don't know if I want to do another job. And frankly, I've spent so much time with my head down focused on this job. I haven't really thought about what I'd like to do. I don't want to make a decision that's reactionary. So the best thing I can do is to just take some time and think about what i want to do next and i think it's it's i think it's important to remember that that the people who are around us really affect us and shape us as i'm sure you will be aware and so i'm very blessed to have a, a family and friends who we all like to earn a good living but we all also know that that's not the most important thing and so um and I think that I was also in a fortunate position where it wasn't the case that I was concerned as to whether I'd be able to put food on the table or uh pay rent if I took a period of time off at the time I didn't probably know it was going to be as much as a as a a year that evolved but um but yes I, I think that they were very supportive and largely um jealous Is what I would say. And and I found that so funny because why would somebody be I said, well you could do the same thing and people say, No, I could never do that. (laughs) So it was funny.
0: So so how did you approach this or or how did you structure this high amount of time off then? Did you did you set goals? Did you just go with the flow?
1: So so the reason I said uh, I didn't know it was going to be as long as it was was just that so for me i enjoy holiday but but by the time i've had a two-week holiday i'm really ready to get back to work i really enjoy doing things so i knew for me having that period was actually going to be very challenging um, and that i was going to miss work and i was going to miss working and so the way that i plan but but i also knew and had to keep reminding myself: you're not defined by your career, you're not defined by success. Those things are are temporary. So the way I planned it was that I would spend six months uh, time off, off, and my I would I would in that time do things that I really wanted to do that I would enjoy. So that that included the floristry. I, I love flowers. I wanted to learn more about those and. How technical aspects of arrangement, and so something like that, something like being able to do more with the food bank local to me, those were things I really wanted to do um, that would have nothing to do with which probably wouldn't have anything to do with my next job or or have a lot to do with it, but I just wanted to to be open to engage and do things completely different um, then the idea was that the next three months I would kind of think about my network and think about whether there were things I wanted to try with a slightly more, what job could I do next focus? Because I honestly had no idea if I wanted to go back into law. Um, and then the next three months, the plan was to be applying for jobs. As it happened, I was having so much fun and, and, and some things. So for example, at the beginning of my year off, the plan was to uh, go to Kenya and to spend a few months there uh, with a charity I was already involved in but basically finding a way of upskilling local lawyers and by doing that having the law firms that they worked for pay in to uh, effectively a free legal assistance fund for those who are in remand prisons and helping people to learn to self-represent and sort of connecting those things. But as it happened, it was, you know, politically quite a difficult time in in Kenya. And uh, the elections had happened and the results should have all been clear and they weren't clear. And like in lots of countries, when they're not clear, people are really not focused on other things. So it just was not a good time for that. Um, There was ill health in the family with my grandmother. So things just didn't happen the way I thought they would. Um, And so that led to some changes. And and so with all of that, it just, and I was in the States and was really enjoying it and various things happening. And so I ended up just taking longer before the whole thinking about a next job thing happened. Um, Yeah.
0: So this transition phase then at the end back into the job this would be something i would be scared of to be honest so or i could imagine it it could be challenging how how did it work out or how does it work out if someone would like to to uh yeah go this path as well
1: yeah i mean i i guess we're all so different i think for me what was difficult when you so i think i would have left uh, my job in an August. And I didn't start my next job until maybe October of the following year. And actually what was difficult, and I, I was so fortunate because I didn't end up looking for a job at all. A job sort of found me. And I, you know, I, I spoke to a few people who, who, uh, who I'd known from my old job and said, you know, I've realized I'm too, I'm too, young and poor to retire and i'll get bored anyway i need to find a job and and so somebody put me in touch with someone uh and so over summer that job worked worked itself out but that then left me at a point where i hadn't been working for a year and i mean i had been working because i'd been doing various other things but i hadn't uh, been i i long story short i i ended up realizing when i was lost somewhere in in the countryside with friends that I had the mind of a lawyer and as much as I thought I could be some sort of completely different radically changed sort of career that just was never going to happen for me uh or at least wasn't going to happen right in, in in the immediate future and I enjoyed being a lawyer so I took a job as a lawyer but I think actually the difficult transition was the difficulty wasn't the transition the difficulty was waiting to start a job. I really had got to a point after a year where I was really wanted to get back to working. And, and then when I did, it, I, I really didn't find that difficult. The only thing that was difficult was physically. It actually was fascinating because you when you've had days where you don't just sit, the adjustment to sitting at a desk for hours on end is for your body so difficult i was having aches and pains that i hadn't had at all Um, so that was the only thing but um no it 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 proved to be a actually a very easy adjustment and i think because this this job um that i have now is just so different from my old job that actually it, it it was probably in some ways nice to have had that gap in time where I was doing really quite different things and then was in a headspace where I was able to completely commit to the job and really enjoy it that way.
0: So now you work as a deputy general counsel at Helios Towers and in my imagination work as a lawyer and as a deputy general counsel might include a lot of drafting of legal documents, writing, proofreading, and all of us at work write emails every day, write texts every day. What recommendations or maybe also advice do you have for people listening on drafting documents, on writing texts, as good as a lawyer?
1: It's <laughs> a complimentary statement about a lawyer. I would hope people in my organization would agree that it would be as good as rather than as bad as was. Um, so I think one really important thing is knowing your audience and knowing the purpose. i I think and and when I say the purpose, one thing which i I've always think is very important when you get to the end of an email before you send it is what action do you want, what do you want the person who receives this to do? Do you want them just to know a piece of information? Do you want them to make a decision? And if you want them to make a decision, have you clearly told them that you want them to make a decision, that these are the options for the decision that they have to make, and you know, as a lawyer, and these are the risks of those options? That, I think clarity and, and. You can and, and I think that when you're clear, actually it often, because one thing that i I would try to avoid is, is is for things to be too long or too long-winded and and understanding what purpose something is to serve is very helpful in just whittling out all of the completely unnecessary stuff, and and that's where the audience comes in too. I mean, the difference between the email that you I send to. A paralegal on our team, and what I would send to the CFO, quite different.
0: So before you, you took the year off, before your current job, you started your career at an international law firm. And for many young students, law students, it's probably a dream or a goal to start at one of the major international law firms. From... Your view, what are the most important factors in choosing the first job?
1: I think, so I, I think we start by acknowledging that particularly now, um, just getting that first job can feel incredibly difficult in, in the present mar- market. Um, so that, that having been acknowledged. I think one thing that surprises me a bit is sometimes when I speak to, to students is a key thing is deciding what you actually want to do and what you really enjoy and, and you need to try to speak to as many people as you can to understand what a job will involve but also and I think this particularly for law um, and for, for the kind of firm that I started out as, at um, being able to both hold on to, okay, what would this job look like in the first four years, day to day? But then also on a macro level, what is this job doing? And in what way are you serving clients, even if you're not directly doing it? Because actually, the more you understand that stuff, number one, the, that's a that's a way of distinguishing yourself. When it comes to interviews that's understanding that will put you heads and shoulders above other people but to that has the effect that you when you do get the job will do it better because you have that ability both to be doing the really detailed long proofreading and pagination but also to understand what purpose that's serving and and therefore to sort of have a slightly bigger picture which just adds value to your work. So if the job doesn't choose you because it's the only option you have then uh, the, the, I, think, I think the factors are really figuring out what you what you are willing to deal with short term and what you really want long term and whether the short term pains that there may or may not be depending what kind of firm you go to, what kind of job you do, are worth long term where you where you want to be, and and I think the last thing is just being flexible, in in the sense that um, it's really I was going to use the word creepy, but it's just strange when you meet somebody who's eighteen and says, you know, I want to do this really esoteric, specific kind of thing. You think, you know, you've not tried it yet. Be flexible and open, and and see how it goes, and and try and do whatever you are given, because as a as a lawyer, as a trainee lawyer. You'll be doing lots of different things. So try them all, see how it goes. And yeah.
0: Apart from your job, you're engaged in an organization called DebateMate, which I co- uh, find quite fascinating as they teach young people around the world how to debate. Um, if I can sum it up like mm. that, you, you might add on that if you like. And uh, if my re- research is correct, you also participated or still participate in competitions <laughs> um, around debating so i'm curious what general advice you might have on presenting arguments in negotiations as this is something we are all um yeah exposed to in in work life every day
1: uh sure so so it's been it's been a while since i've um been been involved with debate mate i used to a lot with them when i um was was both actually starting up in work and also in the golden year year I think it was of of start being at law school before starting um working when ta- I had a little bit more time. But but absolutely, organize debate mate and organizations of its like I think are, are are fantastic. So I think in terms of um, first of all the skills that one learns in debating I think I think are really really helpful in the workplace. Uh, I, I think that an important thing when you're considering negotiations is that you and and debating is very helpful for this that you understand your position and what somebody else's position is, and you see the ways that the arguments against what you're saying. And and I think that when you really have thought about that, it enables you to be one step ahead, kind of like a chess game, because you already see their move and then you know your counter move. And, and you know, one thing I think that's nice about work as opposed to debating because with with debates there's a winner and a and a a a loser in sort of competition but but you know with with negotiation you have the luxury that you really can try to do things that uh try to get everybody where they need to be uh which is (laughs) which is nicer than the brutal world of sort of a a competitive competitive debating but i think being able to believe your own argument i think i think that that's an important thing and and you know sometimes in my job now i will say but wait a second what that this seems like a really strange argument to be making and and i say that to to people on our our, our team not because i won't make that argument but because actually, I think it's really helpful to be able to have conviction in what you're saying. And, and, and I guess that that then touches on the, uh, another point, which is um, having done your research and actually understanding what you're saying. I think um, I have, when I was more junior, um, and maybe, maybe others have in different contexts, been in the position where you've kind of been told something And so the scope of what you're able to explain is literally exactly what you've been told. And you can go nowhere left or right from that. You can just keep saying the same thing in the hope that maybe it will at some point cut through. And actually that doesn't work in a debate because you need to be able to explain and draw on examples or draw on factual information and similarly in the workplace you know saying i want to raise because i want to raise because i want to raise you need to be able to go further than that and and if your conviction is based you know on no facts or on no evidence or whatever then you're going to come into problems most likely so i think that sort of ability to draw on evidence to have confidence to structure an argument and to be able to understand what the counters to that point are and have really thought through them such that you have answers for all of those points, such that you have examples. Um, you know, those, those things I think are really useful in, in work.
0: One thing that you, you already mentioned is do your research before such a debate. Are there further things and factors one needs to look at in preparation of a debate or maybe also things you do in preparation For debate if you would participate in one
1: yeah i mean i again with with work and various commitments i i have not been doing a lot of competitive um debating of late but uh certainly when i think of the 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 way that i prepare for for debates i think that research research researches is is really Key in the in the preparation stage, and then actually, and I guess everyone's different in this, but I find and and I, and actually, this is I think good broader advice. Although everyone's different, um, taking the time to properly write out some arguments at, or, and some some sort of thoughts in, in a relatively long form, I think can be quite helpful not because when you go in to do the debate or to make that presentation or whatever that you 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 need to take those in in fact i would really encourage not to take that sort of thing with you but it just means that you have done the work i think it's easy it can be easy to think that you've thought through something but as anyone you get to a point sometimes where you've had a meeting let's say and you then go to do the email to summarize what's going to happen and i sometimes just scratch my head because i think now that i see this on paper there's a gap here there's something that doesn't quite work like how is that going to happen how does i've said that this is a problem and it's a problem because of these factors but do those things really come together in that in that way does a plus b really equal the c i'm saying it it does um and and i think just just as a I guess is a general thing for preparation for, for any debate. And one thing that teaching, debating to kids in schools um, is sometimes I think a hard thing for people to, to, to get, but you know, one of the core element is, is this idea of if you're proposing something, then what you are saying, what you need to effectively be saying, is that in a kind of policy type debate, is that um, there is there there is a problem, and this thing that we're proposing solves the problem, and the, the job of the people on the other side is to say either that problem doesn't exist or And maybe both that problem exists but the thing that you think is a solution is not a solution to that problem and that way of being able to to think you i and i think that is also very applicable in lots of different sort of situations being able to think through cause and effect and how how those things work
0: and the last phase of preparation before a tough negotiation or a debate maybe is there a a certain internal self-talk that you're having (laughs) is there something that is going on (laughs) inside of you Uh, yeah like a self-talk and if yes what would it sound like
1: i i think i think that you know people, lots of people talk about it, that, that sense of um, imposter syndrome uh, is, is a real thing. And I think to the extent that there is uh, self-talk, I, I, think, I think sometimes for me, all it is is reminding yourself, which it's incredible how it feels like a revolutionary thing sometimes. to 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 remind myself that nobody else actually knows how you're feeling all they know is what they can see you know and i i think that that um that can sometimes honestly be a revelation (laughs) just that you know i i feel like i've got you know it's easy to to lack confidence or feel as though you know i'm the youngest person in the room i'm this person and then you think actually Okay, I I know the stuff. I know I know the, the the information. I I'm here for a reason. I'm very clear on what it is I'm here to do and and to say and and you know you 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 just get on with it. But I do think remembering remembering that um you you do you do not need to present externally the way you sometimes feel internally is is a useful. It's certainly something I, I have told people in my team before.
0: <laughs> Great advice.
1: If you're not sure of the answer, either say you're not sure of the answer or appear sure of the answer. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Got it. Amazing. All right, Becky. The next round of questions are rather short and straight ahead C- short questions. Um, the first one is if you were to give a TED Talk on what topic would it be
1: i think it would be this is i'm making this not sure some kind of hyping up talk about how amazing it is to be mixed race dual heritage my my mother is scottish my father is kenyan and i always feel like that's so cool because it means that you have two cultures but then you also have the fun of the Effectively, third culture—that is the combination of those two things and the lived experience between them—and I think that's a really uh, interesting and, and exciting place to to live from. And 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 you know, we know demographically increasingly people are, and so yeah. And and I think also that has impacts on the way we the way we talk about sort of race and in, in kind of color terms I I, you know I, I yeah there's a lot I think there's a lot to kind of uh, unpack in that um, so it would be more than a TED talk probably but i us say that
0: <laughs> I love the topic um, also I think just from a target group perspective I think you you would be able to you speak for so many people out there in the world including myself as uh, my father is from South Africa my mother is from Germany
1: oh yes.
0: so go go ahead I I really hope the the TED talk (laughs) will become reality (laughs) looking forward to it all right (laughs) next question is is um is there a book you read more than once and if yes why this book
1: Mm. um so i i i I guess that i'm i'm going to say i I read the bible, but the, i mean that's that's a book that kind of was made to be read a lot of times so so <laughs> i think other than that um i have i have some the only thing I think of that I go back to often is poetry books so um like most recently there's there's a wonderful author called Wendell Berry. Um, who's kind of a based in Kentucky, a kind of environmentalist, academic philosopher, and he just writes so beautifully about nature. Um, and yeah, so that and 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 actually, sometimes you know, the, there's something about the things you read when you're in school, like um, Sophocles, and just just the the kinds of particularly, I think stuff that I I read uh, sort of yeah Greek and um, yeah, in Latin classes, that's that stuff kind of really stands the test of time. And there's something about it when you go back to it that feels very familiar, but at the same time different because it's, it's obviously quite different from a lot of the texts that I would read nowadays more commonly.
0: The author that you mentioned, what was his name? I, I'd like to add it in um, in the show notes for folks. Listening. Yeah,
1: um, w- Wendell Berry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wendell, yeah.
0: Right, note and then
1: bury like the fruit,
0: note it down. Next question is What's your advice on staying motivated?
1: Ask yourself regularly, What do I want to do, and what do I feel is right for me to do? And I find that is a really easy way to remain motivated because you are continuing to. To do something you've actively chosen, I think um, there is a real risk and lawyers can be from what I can see particularly bad at it of sort of passivity and just sort of staying somewhere because you've been there and then actually do you really want to be there and then the motivation goes and that's not that's not great for for anyone so yeah figure out figure out what you want and then and then try and really commit to it.
0: What was the best investment you ever made? And this could be money, time, or energy.
1: I I'm I'm going I think time investments are always the best investment. They they um for for me, I and I think investing time in relationships with friends and family uh is is just the absolute best investment in my in my year off I was really fortunate to have this period of time my, my grandmother fell ill within a week or two of me leaving uh, my grandmother in the, the UK within a week or two of me leaving my job and uh, she died about a couple months before I started the new one and in that year I was able my family are in Scotland to go back and forth a lot and um I think, you know, it's amazing to be able to look back, um, whether it's with friends or family and think that the 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 important relationships that you have in your life weren't um you, you really invested in them and uh took those opportunities. So absolute best investment hands down, I think.
0: Wonderful. Actually this 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 has been my last question for today. The yeah the the last question uh or the the last last question for today's uh if if people now say wow becky very inspiring um i'd love to reach out to her ask a few questions maybe um or have a, also have a chat on which platform or where could they reach out to you
1: probably the easiest is is linkedin i'm on there so um absolutely feel 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 free really happy to um Uh, have a chat or yeah however i can be useful to people people have been very helpful to me so i'm more than happy to pay that for
0: amazing so becky thank you very much for taking the time and it's been extremely fun for me i love the chat and me too any any further remarks good questions oh thank you any further remarks (laughs) (laughs) from your side anything none at all great no then thank you everyone for tuning in and um yeah until next time on the career letter podcast speak soon bye bye